Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. This some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peacein' out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Everybody and welcome into another episode of the Penny Bloom Podcast. Tis I, Colton Robertson, and I am joined today by Joseph George. What is up, homie? What is up? Um, pleasure to be here as always. Hey, pleasure to have you here. Uh, I'm scared. <laughs> yes. Got this curtain thing behind me. I can't see behind it. You see some movement back there. Let me know. Uh, <laughs> The year is 1980. I mean, it's not. It's 2022, but we're covering a film from 1980. We're kicking off the 80s, and what better way to start than with Stanley Kubrick's The Shining? Mm. Uh, it it was the first time I'd ever watched this film. Mm-hmm. What are your uh, initial reactions? I'm curious. Uh, I, I mean, the I first was... watch is very different. From oh, I'm sure the, yeah, the like knowing what's happening and mm-hmm. like like because because I, I I need to work through this. I need to talk through it in order to really mm-hmm. really get a firm grasp for what I have just experienced. Uh, I did really enjoy it. I'll say that up front. It was a uh, I'm not a big horror movie guy. I've mm-hmm. I've talked about that before, uh, and this is like the perfect level of horror where like it's like it's eerie and it's scary. Uh. But it's not straight up like it's not jump scares. And yeah, it's, it's not, not horror cheap. just to be scary. Yeah, and it's cheap. not it's, cheap. It's to progress it's just, the story. Actually, yeah, it's yeah. it's it it all means something. It all came together in some way. Like that that's really what makes this movie good. You know what I'm saying? Because like uh, I mean I I do I do walk away from this still with questions. Like mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, First time I but, watched uh, it, I had to look up like. Am I thinking, like, is this ending, like, even close to correct or whatever? But, like, that's the whole point, is that it's left up to be mysterious on purpose. Right, Like, Kubrick, he's he's confirmed some stuff, like, some aspects of the film, like, later on in interviews and stuff like that, but, like... Well, it, 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 we'll get more into it. Let me lay the ground, let me lay the groundwork here. Let me lay the groundwork. We got The Shining premiered on June 13th, 1980, based on the novel by Stephen King, screenplay by Stanley Kubrick and Diane Johnson, uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick. It was it was quite the fucking movie. And uh, mm. obviously the main, the main thing that I'm hung up on after, like, freshly finishing this movie less than 10 minutes ago, now that, mm. now that we're recording this podcast, obviously is that ending. Uh, mm-hmm. obviously that's, that's what's fresh, freshly in my mind. Uh, so I got some questions mm-hmm. uh, on the whole. So throughout the movie, I'm kind of viewing it through this lens of obviously there's something mystical, paranormal happening here, at least to a degree. I mean, you have the whole shining thing and Mr. Halloran who can actually like confirm that this is a real thing and actually support that. 
something mm-hmm. is happening here. So then you're like, oh, okay, so like this really is something weird happening here. Uh, and then the the shit that confused me was like Jack Nich- Nicholson's character feeling like he's been there before and like feeling like he knew every turn and every every single like he felt like he felt like he was where he was supposed to be and mm-hmm. I I have trouble figuring out like throughout the movie I'm watching it like this is a man who is uh, descending into insanity like that's that's like and obviously to a degree that's the case mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know his isolation uh, all work and no play make, means makes Jack a dull boy mm-hmm. like uh, he's He's, he's not having a good time. He's doing nothing but writing, and he's doing nothing but writing the same sentence over and over with nothing but the same two people in this hotel for months on end. He's get, You're going to go a little crazy. Now, the other thing here is that, like, that's enough for me mm. for, like, for this to result in a dude going insane. The thing, the thing that's, like, weird to me is the fact that there is a paranormal mm-hmm. aspect to it. It's like there's like, both aspects at play. Yeah, There's there is. The general human side of someone who would go just insane, just in, in those conditions. But then there's definitely a supernatural – something is happening in this hotel. And, the like, the first time that you really – at least that I really was like, okay, like, this isn't all just in his head. Like, there's something legit, like, a paranormal or supernatural presence here was when he was trapped in the freezer – and something or someone opened the door for him legitimately. Yeah. And, yeah. like, it's the first time that, like, they interact well, and with it was, the real world. Like, the dude who killed killed his daughters and his wife prior to him, he was he was the one who unlocked the door. So it's like, oh, God, what the fuck's going on? Oh, yeah, on? It was the, it, yeah, and, that's right. And obviously at that point I'm going, like, I can't remember if this is before or after this, but I think it's after that uh, the wife in the movie, played by Shelley Duvall, who was just fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her character's name at the moment. Let me get that pulled up. Wendy. Wendy. Uh, when Wendy sees the guy, that was really when I was like, okay, so it's like for real, for real, some sh- like it is presenting itself in the real world. She's not having any of this and like it, she can see it. So yeah, that's like, true. I didn't even think about that. Like you have Jack and, and little red rum boy. I, oh man. I Danny, he, like Danny, bro. Kids are just I hated so that kid. Yeah. Kids are just so creepy inherently. And, and this, it, this movie just pushes that even further. Red red but, like red you have two people who like one can see has the shining, which we really don't know what it is, you know, like you- I, I was also really fascinated because obviously coming into this movie, this is the first time I've ever seen the shining. The only thing I know about the shining is here's Johnny. I was, mm-hmm. I was shocked to find that the main character's name was not in fact, Johnny. Uh, so like I, that, just to give you an idea of how little about this movie, I knew <laughs> I'd only seen that scene. I was like, well, this guy goes crazy and tries to kill his wife eventually at the very least. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember where I started that. Uh, just having a, just having no idea what was coming. Yeah, and how like, you have these. Well, we were saying like that. You have these two characters that are obviously going through it with some supernatural stuff, but then you have Wendy, which is like the, uh, she's just the 
Well, she's our she's our hero. Yeah, she's yeah. the protagonist of this movie, mm-hmm. and it like she's the one you want to see make it out. Like you're you're rooting for her this whole movie, and it's really fascinating because she's she's. I would also argue she's not the main character. You know, I mean, obviously there's only three characters, so they all have. It's it's about the family, but you know, you get the impression that Jack is definitely the uh, definitely the driving force behind mm-hmm. this film. Mm. Uh, and they played these roles so well, and I'm sure you know to a degree some behind the scenes stories. Uh, this is like Stanley Kubrick's a fucking psychopath. Yes, he is, and he's quickly becoming one of my favorite favorite directors. If this movie came out in the seventies, like for these, like I don't know, like a. 70s director could have been 70s award may have been different. The 70s award may have been different. But uh but man, I I'm I'm loving Kubrick's stuff. Um maybe that's just I have like a twisted part of me that I love the twisted and like the sick and the thriller and the what the mystery. And, and, and here's the thing is that like he clearly knew how to get exactly what he wanted on screen and obviously he's he's this petulant impulsive just has to do things perfectly no matter what sort of filmmaker. And I think that, like, uh, this obviously has the Kubrick touch. There are multiple times throughout this movie where it's just like, I can so clearly tell this is the same creator of A Clockwork Orange. Like, there's a couple moments where it's like, oh, this looks like it's straight out of that movie. I mean, with some of the camera angles... And there was even a shot where Wendy and Danny were playing outside and Jack is just watching. Yeah, just doing and, the you know, stare. And that, that immediately takes me to the first, the opening shot in A Clockwork Orange where he's like, how about a little bit of the ultraviolence? You know, like mm-hmm. I, I was immediately there. So even I, like the rug, the carpet that was like inside of the hotel, the orange like pattern, well, you know, like, like. Not just that, like mm. orange is all over this movie uh like i want to know why i think it's just a creepier color i think it's one that's just kind of unsettling it's one that you don't see it's not a comfortable color yeah it's not one that you use for decor so like Mm -mm. whenever like a lot of stuff is orange it's like you're in a room where you're like something weird's gonna happen here yeah because it's orange orange chair you're like that's an that's an interesting chair. You don't you you think about it more. You know, it's it's like if it was like just a gray chair, you'd be like, oh, it's just another it's chair. Just, you probably wouldn't even chair. think yeah, that it's a you, chair. Yeah, it's just oh, there's another thing over there in that side of the room. Exactly. But yeah, the, the color orange, I legitimately think is just unsettling. And like, just another thing that like reminded me of Clockwork Orange, like the maze shot, like uh, just how like a, uh, I don't know. It, like nothing from a clockwork orange looks like that maze but it's just like the angle the everything put and that's together really, that's like, really the key is, is like yeah. the camera angles like they're the way that stanley kubrick shoots open rooms like the mm-hmm. office that jack sits in at the beginning where it's two people in, in the desks that are like on the side of the screen with a dude in the middle with the orange walls and stuff. So, and it's perfectly symmetrical. And it's like, 
that like that's such a Kubrick shot. Like I, I, it's overwhelming. It's just overwhelmingly obvious that Stanley Kubrick made this movie, mm-hmm. and I think he deserves a ton of credit. Uh, but apparently, there's some behind the scenes stuff where Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall are a little annoyed with the fact that Stanley Kubrick gets so much credit for this movie because they both are on record as saying that this is the shittiest, like the shittiest movie experience they ever had, uh, and with good reason. Uh, he put them through hell to yeah. make sure that they like the way they look towards the back half of this movie where it's just distress like they don't want to be there and everything's hell. They were actually feeling that way. And Kubrick meant for that to happen. Yeah. Like, like Wendy wanted or I guess I'm using their character names, but like Wendy wanted to leave legitimately like she just was fed up and that was like what was happening to her. Like she wanted to yeah. get out as badly as possible and then yeah, she'll have, leave she'll, yeah. she'll leave him behind she doesn't care and i think that there's like a there's also like this obvious degree of like self-insertion into the jack character uh by by kubrick i feel like like the writer who mm. the further he gets into his craft all work no play makes jack a dull boy like i don't know there's like a degree of it that seemed a little meta that was like i'm losing my fucking mind okay uh it's there's so many things in this movie that make you ask 10 questions and then you watch 30 more minutes and then you're like oh well now i just have more questions none of those questions were answered um like and and you're also not even sure if those questions were relevant like it's just kind of like i just had those questions mm. uh and i'm I'm gonna jump back into some of the behind the scenes stuff there's mm. there was a point where jack nicholson for two weeks on set was fed nothing but cheese sandwiches, mm-hmm. which he absolutely despised. Mm-hmm. So he would get on screen, and I'm assuming it's toward, like, obviously towards the back half of this movie, the filming during that period, where he's just like, motherfucker, like, god damn, like, he's, he's, a, he is crazed, he's depraved, and like, you can see it, like, and mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense that like, nine years later, this guy would play the fucking Joker, like, it's just like, duh, uh, Oh man, they uh the camera work that he uses with Jack and Wendy every time they're together and they're having a conversation, rarely are they on screen at the same time. It's Yeah, they're opposite. And if they are, they're like barely in the shot. Like gotcha. it's, and as the movie progresses, you see them get further and further and further. You see, like, Jack at his desk and Wendy walk in from all the way across the room, basically. Like, mm. you start to just see the separation. Like, you, like, and you oh, don't man. even, like, pick that up on, like, first watch. You just know that, like, these two, like, are just going further and further and this guy's going to do something bad. Well, there was, there was, there was one moment specifically pretty early on in the movie that was, like, I think it was the first time they flashed, like, a month later or something like that. Whatever the first time jump is where they're like, all of a sudden everyone's been gone for a while. We've been here a while. This is what's happening. And it's in that big, that giant room where Jack writes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful shot and you see the three light things up top and you see the stairs cascading down and it's perfectly symmetrical. And Jack's chair is just a little to the left. Mm. <laughs> and I, I, and and 
and he's a little to the left. And I think I and I really like immediately. I I don't. It was like I was supposed to notice that. That is something that he is that is visually telling me he's losing it a little bit. Everything is symmetric, something. Something is going. Him, but yeah, just him. Just the little. Something's little. going off. They do that with furniture all the time through this movie. It like they move furniture from shot to shot, and like it, like there's no continuity, like on purpose. Like uh, furniture moves throughout the hotel all the time, but barely. Um, like sometimes there's like a chair in the background, and then the next shot, it's just gone. And like you. Th- it's not an editing mistake. They like very purposely put some of these in the film. There are some editing mistakes in in the movie, but it's not like in the hotel. Everything that happens in the hotel is very calculated and on purpose. Um, well, and I, I mean, it had to be because like the the way that it all comes together is is some of the wildest shit I've ever seen. And obviously, like The Shining, such an iconic movie that there were also there are set pieces. There are specific moments in this movie. Uh, there are specific lines in this movie that, like, I I was already completely aware of. Like, mm-hmm. uh, especially, and I, I emphasis on the set pieces. Uh, I'd seen, I'd felt like this felt. This is weird to say. I felt like I'd seen every inch of that hotel, uh, which is just that's a, funny. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. True, though. So, uh, and then uh, the bathroom. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd obvious I'd seen that bathroom obviously, and I'd seen that old withering. Got an interesting theory to share with them. Well, yeah, way. here's my thing: is and that I like said I, them. I know that's a that's like they did a lot of stuff to obviously push the story forward and stuff. That's the biggest one for me, where I'm just like, what the fuck was even going on there? You ready? Yes. So initially, whenever I first watched, I was just like, okay, ew, gross. Didn't think anything of it. Second time I watched, I realized um, Jack goes in there first, but then Danny um, goes into room 237. But we don't see him fully go into – like we don't see what fully happens to him in the bathroom. He just goes to Wendy and was like – you know, he had like a mark on his neck or something like that. And then he was like, yeah, and explained it. But – before Danny went in the room, a ball was rolled to him, and you can hear the twins, like, giggling and, like, drawing him into the room. Yeah. And then when you go back and watch the old lady first, when she's in the bathtub, she looks different. She has different hair. Short hair. Yeah, yeah, long. yeah. I know. I she noticed that. Up. I noticed, like, there was some weird – like, Ooh. I was like, that doesn't look like the same person. She stands even. up, and then, yeah, whenever she's, like, hugging – Jack, like with him, mm-hmm. long hair, face looks a little skinnier, like like looks like a a lit like the same but a little different. Yeah, and then people think that this is the twins just in their like older grown up like demonic forms or something like that. In the that would make sense. Like uh, that. They, well, I mean, like it's it's the only thing that could make sense because like I can't, I literally can't think of another reason this this scene is is purposeful. Like it's. I think that, like, the only other reason I thought it was purposeful is that because, like, he immediately walks in and kisses her. Like, he he obviously is 100% willing to hand himself over to something else as soon as possible. Like, whatever possession, because I think there's a degree of that, obviously, in this, too, uh, like, of someone 
that's not just him losing his mind is swaying him down this path a little bit. I mean, obviously, I think he's responsible for his actions to a degree, but there's there's obviously something else at play here that kind of muddies it. Uh, and that scene was important in telling us that, like, he's just he's just open to something else because all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. And I feel like that that line is so important because that's like what he's looking for the entire time. The fact that it's over and over page after page. It's and not they just like, like kept going. They didn't like they didn't pull away from that that shot for a while. I thought like, damn, I get it. He's wrote this a lot. And then she pulled like seven more pages and I was like, okay, I really get it. And then she kept doing it and I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I uh I love the scenes with him and the bartender where he like just it's like I don't know this movie like I really truly don't call it like a horror movie like it I don't know it's truly a thriller like uh oh that's that's that, uh, that's definitely fair you just don't get like scenes like that like a, a monologue of just a character basically like rambling on to a a ghost you know like a ghost a, a bartender who we know is not real at all like you know just yeah. like oh i don't know i just the camera work too like just going through the hotel when it's like it jack's face and then it'll dissolve into just a shot of the hotel yeah. like just yeah. letting you know like this dude's just becoming one with the hotel like it there's like he's just like he's basically just melting into this hotel and like just it's yeah oh i well, and, like, there was multiple occasions, like, and I love the way they made an effective use of introducing us to the hotel and every single bit of it. Like, the way that they were getting a tour at the beginning, it was, like, it was so obvious that all of it would become important again. Like, even as they were telling me, like, they were literally laying it out so that later on in the movie, you could kind of grasp where they're at. It's not like... It's not just for them, it's for us. Like mm -hmm. you guys you guys need to know exactly the intricacies of where everything is and stuff. And uh there was another moment where I was like Oh shit. You notice uh, every time Danny was in the kitchen and a shot, like it was showing him there were knives like right above his head, like every yeah. time. Like just little things, like like who who cares about that? You know, who's going to think like, oh, let's let's put a rack of knives right above this little kid's head in every shot that that he's in in the kitchen, you know, like just to right. just to why not? You know, like, I don't know. He Hubert just is twisted enough to think of these little things and like make you uncomfortable and like uncomfortable. is He's very good at that. Like, he's just very good at making you feel uncomfortable. Oh yeah, that's absolutely his goal, I'd say, in in pretty much every capacity. I think that's just kind of what he goes for. Mm. Uh but the, another another interesting thing that happens behind the scenes and uh a scene where I really feel like I I it plays a little bit through is uh that apparently for like weeks at a time Stanley Kubrick would ignore Shelley Duvall. Really? The actress. Like would not talk to her. That's uh, to like I think like that's brutal. <laughs> oh, dude, terrible! Like you're the director of this movie and you're not talking to the lead actress for weeks at a time. But like, uh, and and I think there's there's a couple moments where it's like I think 
and obviously I don't know, and I'm not trying to justify it in any way, that is terrible practice for a director. You should talk to your actors as much as you possibly can, and putting them through psychological torment in order to create a good product is not ideal. True. However, I can I can see how that would create an environment in which the actress felt unsafe, felt uncomfortable, didn't want to be there, and in those moments where, you know, the baseball bat scene, and whenever he is breaking the door down with an axe and she is scared, I think there's a reason because she doesn't know what's going does, on. She doesn't feel safe. Uh, she doesn't feel safe. And like, that's a real, that's a real thing that's, that's coming through on screen. And have, do you know what scene holds the record, the world record for most takes of all time? I don't know. I know of one shot that took a lot, but I don't think it'd be the most of all time. The blood, the blood one. Oh. Is that what you're talking about? Mm-mm. It was. Oh no, uh, that's not what I was talking about either. But that one did take a ton. It was the uh, the tennis ball rolling to Danny, uh, drawing oh, him shit. into the room. It took like fifty something shots to roll the tennis ball because they, if you notice, like it's perfectly centered in the like the rug and it hits perfectly in the center of like his two toe and like right there. Okay, and, okay. Yeah, it took like 50 something. I know that's not the most of all time, but I'm curious now. It's the and it's a scene where you're like, "Oh, there's only one reason they did it this much and it's to get the emotion that's coming through." The baseball bat scene where she's swinging it at him and Jack Nicholson is, is walking up at her like, Oh, really scaring the shit out of her. Like, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. Wow. Uh, 127 takes. They had to do that for so long. That's like weeks. Probably when she is swinging it and crying and he's like, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains he in. He just drove them literally mad. He, like, he drove them fucking insane, having to repeat their lines and do the same thing 127 times in a row. And it's like, holy fuck, is that brutal and terrible. But goddamn, you know how to get what you want. You like, know? if you're like an evil genius, like, you look at Kubrick, like, grew, you know, from like Despicable Me. This is like... You got the moon, you know. This is like the top dog. Like this dude's twisted, man. Like, wow. Yeah, it. Oh man, I'm just I'm listening to the score in the background. I've been listening to it the whole time, just uh, just to even even more make me more uncomfortable. Um, but it <laughs> like the movie opens with it. It, it like the it, the theme is played throughout like almost the entire movie, and it's just yeah. so, like. Oh yeah, that and the music in this like it kind of uh sets a standard for horror movies going forward. Like this is like as stereo like I know that it's a classic score and therefore like it must be the first of its kind because all of these themes I feel like have influenced horror films forever now. Oh yeah. Uh, this this the, theme is it's just so creepy and eerie and like perfect. Well, and the the or... amount of times that it was just like the the screech mm. 
and that was like it was and it was like tuned and stuff you could tell there was a tune in there but it was like and it was just like oh god i hate everything happening the and it really is just because the, the door music. whenever wendy screams like mm-hmm. that screech happens at the same time she screams like uh yeah. that screech like oh I, just this movie's just like a masterpiece of horror like uh oh. Yeah, like there there was that scene where like it's not an inherently scary scene unless the music they're playing is what's playing. Uh and it's it's when Jack is walking down the hall and he slams the slams the table and knocks plates everywhere and he's just like doing shit like you, you could tell he's like and he's like slamming his arms up and down and doing all and there's just this theme behind it that's just like ding 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 and it's like it's oh, like Oh yeah. And I'm just like, what, like, this isn't a scene that I feel like anything's about to happen. It's just happening. And it's like, what the fuck's even happening? Like, and that's, that's what this movie really does a good job of is just disorienting you overall. Just like, what the fuck could even be about to happen at any given point? What do you think of the very, like, last shot of the him in the picture frame with all the old people in the ballroom? Okay, so that was uh that that was like obviously what made me go, okay, so there's like some real deal paranormal shit happening here. Uh because obviously I feel like this takes place at some point in the 70s, right? Like just based off of decor and general. I'd say so. Seven like it's either the 70s or very early 80s. Like yeah, I, mean, I mean there I mean this movie came out in 80. So Yeah, exactly. So like I think it has to be the 70s. Yeah, yeah. So, like, obviously my first thought is, like, as it's, like, cascading down that picture, I'm like, okay, well, if this picture's from, like, 1940, like, then I guess that could be, like, he'd be a really weird old dude at this point. But, like, it's more feasible than 1921. When Like, whenever we got there, I was like, okay, so th- there's some, like, really weird shit happening here. Uh, I took that as kind of a... I'd be willing to bet that dude was murdered in this hotel. Like, okay. just like off rip. Like, I've only seen this movie once. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this dude's soul would like be bonded to this hotel, the Overlook Hotel, or. And if he if he were to resurrect and return to this hotel, the only reason he'd seep all the way back in if he was already there, I feel like, is if he died there or murdered there, or like if he was Grady. Like, uh, that's the other option that they weren't showing us Grady. Mm. Uh, the, I was very confused the first time. Like, I didn't know what to think. I was like, I have so many, like, I was like, I I have a bunch of random ideas that don't have a lot of basis. Mm -hmm. It's just that like, like, is this just history repeating itself? And like, it's just showing us that this is like a constant loop. We have the last caretaker that did the same thing. Maybe just like the appearance of Jack is showing like the possession and it's just like truly like the human form is different. Like we just see Jack, you know, just because he possesses this person, you know, like if yeah, like, yeah. that's well, what I was that's thinking. The other, that's the and, other thing though, is that they do show, they, like, they expressly show us a character that they call Grady. That's and like, it's just left up to be mysterious. Like, uh, Kubrick has never like, I mean, he, he has kind of confirmed. Uh, I don't know. I like to leave it up to, to like. Well, a, and I like that too. I mean, like uh, you haven't you haven't 
gotten there yet, but like there's also the a bunch of speculation about like the Sopranos ending that David Chase is kind of like not really said what the ending is, but like you can kind of gather it. Mm. But it's like you know, like it should be. It's up to interpretation. Anyone can think whatever the fuck they want. Uh, and I think that's. I think I like that about art. Like obviously, like the creator has an intention, but like it's up to the viewer. It, like it truly doesn't matter what the creator thought was happening there. It's up to the viewer to put in their own thoughts about what was happening. I think, and I think that. I think I like the idea that he was Grady. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that the the fact that they do show us a guy named Grady, but they also have a conversation where he goes, "You were the caretaker here," and he was like, "No, you you have been and always will be the caretaker here." And I was like, and obviously that line at the time I kind of throw it away, but then you you show me that picture at the end of the movie, and I'm like. Excuse me. That's why it. That's why I lean more towards like the uh, like it's the spirit of the caretaker that is there always, and just whoever comes, who like whoever the very takes the role beginning of, of the movie, whenever Jack says like I'll do it, like um, yep, I'll do it. I agree. Um, he gets the job. It cuts to Danny going through. You know, like it connects him to the hotel. Basically, like gotcha. he wasn't connected to the hotel before. He had no prior episodes to that. But the second that he was going to the hotel, for sure, he's connected. Bam. Like, and that's why I think yeah. like they're, they were a totally, completely normal, just human family before. No supernatural connection. But then the connection to the hotel, like that, okay, that is so the most logical the time... I can go through. I'm I'm with that, but then but then like I'm cool. I'm like and honestly, that's my favorite so far. You've watched this a lot more than me. You've obviously had a lot more thought to put in. That is absolutely the best idea I have right now. I the only the only problem I have is with Danny and Tony. Uh, mm. so this kid had The Shining anyway. That's true. I guess he did for the hotel. He did talk to Tony. It was his imaginary friend. Yeah, that's true. But it didn't start uh, being sinister. Yeah, it, there was a switch up. Like he, it was oh yeah, and like, like, yeah. there's certainly a switch up. But then my, my I forgot my it. other thing is like, how is The Shining connected to it? Like, what's that? What's the through line there? All we know of The Shining is that it's a form of communication. Like that's that's like basically all that we gather is that it's some supernatural form of communication like and some people have this ability to to you know use it and uh some people think like uh everyone who gains the ability of the shining is like the son or the daughter the children of whoever goes mad um whoever's the jack role they gain the ability of the shining Um, now i'm now i've fucking sure as hell want to go watch Dr. Sleep with Ewan McGregor. I've, that's uh, the that's the sequel. And Ewan McGregor's Danny. Wait a minute. What? There's On a HBO. sequel to this movie? Yeah. Huh? Oh, uh, 
came out in 2019, Dr. Sleep. Years following the events of The Shining, a now adult Dan Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot. Oh, wow. I was thinking this was like a 80s or 90s film. Like No, sequel, no. This like... just like this came out a couple years ago. Hmm. Interesting, Drake. Okay. I uh I'm very curious to what uh what this is like now. Hmm. Hmm. Wow, that just I did I had no idea that that even existed. Well, I, and like I, there were a couple moments where like I had the opportunity to watch it like on multiple occasions, but I was like I don't I don't want to unless I watch The Shining cuz like I'm a, I, I'm afraid I'll miss something. So now I'm definitely going to eventually go back and mm. watch Doctor Sleep. There's no doubt about it. Have you uh, seen Ready Player One, the movie? That's why I know a lot of these sets. Yeah, yeah, like that scene, like uh, it's the bathroom. They show the bathroom they, like expressly. They, they show a lot of the hotel in that movie, actually. Uh, like in Ready Player One, they show a lot of that. And they maybe like, that's why that maybe that's why I felt like I subconsciously knew it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, no, like watching uh. It's just funny that you had like the reverse. You had the uh, the Ready Player One watched first, and then The Shining instead of you know yeah. knowing what The Shining was to get all the reference. I mean, you can get all those references pretty much that they make. Like they're the most famous references. Like here's Johnny, no work hard or no play makes Jack a dull boy. Like yeah. um, the iconic parts of the of this movie um, for sure. But oh man, I. Uh, I love this movie, man. This is uh I don't know, it's just right up my alley. I'm uh I love horror. I love the psychological thriller and uh this one just keeps you guessing and that's what I love. It was it was really cool. I'm 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 still formulating these theories about the shining and how it's connected. So like now I'm now I'm to the point where I'm I'm it's just a long movie and I'm putting it all together and like I said, I only finished the movie like ten minutes before we started the podcast, so like all all thoughts fresh up fresh off the movie. Uh I forgot about that part where Halloran talks to Danny at the beginning and is like uh so we're in touch with the shining, but the building also is. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's that's the connection. I was just forgetting that the building I like I don't know how the building's in touch with the shining, obviously, but like that's that's the connection and that's as far as I think I was supposed to take it. Uh that's why Danny can see shit that's happened and is about to happen. And, uh, all right. So mm-hmm. now my question, uh, is about like how they, how it surfaces and like actually presents itself physically in their world. Uh, like the blood elevators and, uh, the room full of skeletons that has not been there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, 237. Like, like what? So, Kubrick, um, the humans that we see, like the bartender, um, like the people that we see, that's just his interpretation of ghosts. Um, they're straight up just ghosts. He's confirmed that. He, he said gotcha. he just likes the look of of a human being a ghost instead of some figure like, uh, no, I'm, I'm with that. Like, and that was, that was my thought too, because obviously when that picture shows up at the end mm-hmm. of him at the end in 1921, like I, 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 as soon as I see that, I go, ah, the ghosts we've seen and the ones he's directly interacted with 
are the ones that he knew when he lived here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but as far as like the uh the other supernatural things, like it's all in the air. Like there's nothing that's mm-hmm. really confirmed that like why the blood elevator happens, like it's it's just to to send them down further into the spiral. Like it truly is just like um the hotel just driving them into madness and like yeah yeah and you know I, the I, I do love the whole final act of this movie it really is exhilarating and keeps you on the edge and it, it is it is far and away the most uh the best part of this movie for me because uh I, i'm not gonna lie like i it's slow. I, I started this I, I started this movie last night and uh i was like all right, I'm going to watch The Shining. I got about 30 minutes in, and I was like, I'm going to watch this tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I paused it, turned it back on this morning, and I finished it all the way out. Uh, and the only reason I turned it off last night, Emily fell asleep, and I was like, I'm a pussy. <laughs> uh, so I, <laughs> I mean, uh, it does take an hour and 45 minutes for Jack to finally like go insane and like pursue killing it's his a family. slow development like and the like, stair scene it yeah. really is it really is the final act that makes it all worth it because it's what makes everything connect it's what brings everything together and it's what makes the first mm. hour and a half worth it it it's uh it absolutely is uh and especially since you can and obviously i had that as as much as i said i knew so little about the shining i obviously knew enough to know eventually he's going to try to kill his wife and kids. So like knowing that he's slowly mm. descending into madness, I think that helped my understanding of the movie overall, instead of it just being like, Oh, and also he was kind of a piece of shit from the get go at the beginning of the movie. I don't he think was. I would have liked him anyway. Nah. Uh, cause he was like, when I'm working, you get the fuck away from me. Mm-hmm. Understood. Yeah. And whenever you said, uh, like you, you can see Kubrick in Jack, like in the writing room and stuff. Um, during, while Kubrick was writing this or like adapting from the novel, um, he was, he trapped himself in a room, like locked himself in a room and people were like sitting outside and they heard like just stuff hit the wall over like an over. And, uh, that's, that's why like Jack Nicholson throws a tennis ball against the wall while he's in the writing room and his family's like outside. Mm. Like he just, he keeps just over and over like so there's definitely a Kubrick and and Jack like there's there's something of a, a connect there and obviously we've said this before you know you write something you surface in some way in all those characters it's 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 bound mm-hmm. to happen uh but it seems like he definitely had one specific outlet for that to happen with a character who was actually a writer uh the only and whenever that happens you just know that it's a writer being like I'm going to plug myself in hard here. <laughs> There's only one part of this movie that takes me out. Only one. And it's like that lion slash rabbit costume and the guy in the tux. Like, just like. Thank you. Okay. Uh, that for me was another paranormal. Uh, yeah. Like, I think it's truly just. It's just a couple of, more ghosts. Yeah. I, I think they just thought of like the most random, like. What can we make people just go like, wait, what did I just see? Like, well, and it, it, it was an objectively scary looking costume. 
but like it, it, it like it's 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 scary because of the way the dude acts in the costume, the way that he just like slowly turns and looks at her. Like that's that's freaky. Uh the the costume itself haven't inserting this whole furry bit where I mean he was clearly they were he was clearly going down on this guy. Uh at least that's my interpretation of it. He had the assless chaps, the ass was out and everything. I mean, had to yeah. have been blowing this dude in the tux. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Uh I was just like, okay, uh, and I thought it might come back around. Like I even like <laughs> thought about taking it down in my notes. Like, but and then like in that moment, I seriously went, I really don't think there was much of a point to that one. Nope. I yeah no, like it's the only time. Like every time I watch this movie, I, I'm like, I know it's coming, and I'm just like, why is this in here? Other like, like everything else that happens that's weird or strange it like fits the movie but this is kind of the only one that's like i guess it's just showing ghosts around the hotel and and wendy just kind of going insane and you know it's just meant to scare wendy even more so i guess it truly is just random and it's just these spirits that are haunting the hotel so like it truly could just be anything um but and i and and i i think there's a degree to it like we don't know what Stanley Kubrick prepared these actors for like the way that he treated Shelley Duvall like I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't even know that shit was over there if that's if she was genuinely surprised by that too like what if that's the like the first time she's seeing it you know if, like whenever yeah. they're filming her that'd be insane like, oh yeah, what like, what the yeah. <laughs> I mean th- th- Kubrick put her through shit man she suffered like she suffered it, from yeah, nervous true from nervous exhaustion and like experienced like actual illness and hair loss during this movie. Like she was, this movie put her through hell. Man. It's it's weird that like, uh, every time I watch this movie, Jack Nicholson, his name is Jack in the movie. Danny, the actor who plays Danny is Danny Lloyd. Danny. Wendy. Like the only name that isn't like like the same as the actor or act like I don't like I don't know if that's on per- just coincidence I don't know if the novel is Jack and Danny or like and they just happen to get yeah, Jack and like, Danny uh, I'm curious like I don't know and I I don't know if that's just another Kubrick like twisted like yeah like, yeah to be just like yeah and you're not even yourself in this though. yeah like yeah he man that dude is twisted. And I'd be willing to bet he called her he called her Wendy and shit oh. like didn't even call her Shelly feel like that'd be right on brand for him. Jeez. That, oh. <laughs> I'm looking at some uh, some trivia about The Shining just because mm. these facts are interesting. Uh, uh, the snow maze at the conclusion of the movie consists of 900 tons of salt and crushed styrofoam. Wow. Uh, that, uh, that maze is so cool. Just like a weirdly iconic part of the movie. Like uh, doesn't really like in. Even before the Jack and Danny are running through there and, you know, he's hiding from them, like before it gets intense and they're just running around there, like when it's just Danny and Wendy, like the maze is already like, oh, damn, that's like iconic. But why? Like uh, it has really no effect on the movie. Like the movie's about the hotel, you know, in the inside and the creepy, but like this maze just looks really cool and like it feels like a – 
it feels like a staple of this movie almost, you know? Like, oh yeah. Uh, I, and it, it is interesting because it's one of the aspects of the film where like when they first show us it, it was one of the best examples of like, well, obviously that's going to come around again. And uh, it was also one of the elements in the movie that like, I wasn't familiar with coming into it. So mm. like, it was truly, it was truly like, it, it rung a bell. Like, I was like vaguely familiar with it. Like, I was like, okay, so this maze will come back around. I don't know how. I'm assuming some sort of chase, hiding and stuff. Like, just lo logic your way into it. There's only one real reason to use a maze. Mm -hmm. uh, that, oh, and if you go in, you need an hour to find your way out. Like, uh, that's. I, uh, to even kind of further push the, like, it's the spirit of Jack or the caretaker that's like possessing these people is mm -hmm. that like when the mate, like whenever he sees um, like them escape and they're gone and he has like no chance of getting them, he just sits down and dies. You know, like he sits oh, yeah, down like and he's... freezes to death. No human, oh. like he, it's basically the spirit just being like, okay, I'm done with this body. I'm ready for the next family. Kill this yeah. guy. Like, I don't need his body anymore, basically. Like, uh, basically. no human can sit down in the cold and just die. Like, I don't it know. happens, like, though. That's a real thing. But, like, he did it to himself. He, yeah, he, like, he chose to do I it. I guess he was tired. You know, he was uh, chasing See, and his that's, family that's with my an axe thing and is that, stuff, like, but, like, I, I was fascinated because the way that he was getting just exasperated and, like, desperate in his calling like the and just like making noise like really instead of actually articulating words i was like this dude's losing it completely because like you can like no matter how tired you are you can articulate words typically <laughs> yeah not, not doesn't take much energy to talk <laughs> right know, like uh, i was just, just like what words, the yeah. fuck is even going on just the, and like there's also like a degree of like uh jack nicholson like is a is a wacko like as an actor he is pretty fucking crazy so like he also improvised like a lot mm -hmm. so there's no telling what was in the script and what wasn't like here's johnny that that's a famous improvisation that Stanley Kubrick almost didn't keep in the film and is now probably its most iconic line. I wonder, uh, like, why? Like, because I know, like, like some people that are named John or Johnny go by Jack. Well, and like, it's it's pretty interesting. Like, I maybe maybe that's the case. Maybe his name's actually Johnny, but like, I took it as like a right before he does that, he does the whole three little pigs thing. Where he does like the I'll huff and I'll puff. So like he's he's making real world references. And here's Johnny was something Johnny Carson would say when he came on his late night talk show. Oh, well, there you go. I didn't I just and, didn't know. Uh... No. Yeah. And I, I didn't know that either until I, I read that as like a fun <laughs> fact on Twitter years ago. Like, uh, did you know here's Johnny is not is not just famous because of The Shining. It was something Johnny Carson would say every time he took the stage and like. Uh, and I was like, ah, okay. And like Stanley Kubrick from England. So like, he's not familiar with Johnny Carson's show. And uh, uh, I mean, let's be real. Stanley Kubrick's probably not watching Johnny Carson's show. This makes um, so much more sense. Cause I was trying to piece together this whole Jack people being actually named Johnny thing. And I'm like, why would he like in this moment, like 
use Here's his Johnny. full legal name and like I I don't know I was I think it was I I took it more as like the way his head was bouncing around like he was just like I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. Here's Johnny. Like he's just making reference after reference on his murderous rampage. Like, mm. and then uh, one one thing that like I was really like, really, 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 kid. She pushes him out the window, and then this kid's like, "Whoop! I'm gonna go right back inside." Uh, and obviously, like probably for the best, he would have froze to death out there. But like, <laughs> Loki kind of smart. Like kind of big brain, like maybe like maybe Jack doesn't see him go back inside, so he still thinks he's out. And then like, right? Like, kind oh of, yeah, like kind it's of, a good idea. Know, like, it's a good idea. I, I I like I I thought about it a little more, and I got a little bit more on board and stuff. But like, I also think it was kind of a panic mode. Like it was like, oh shit, it's cold. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna go back in there. I'm a little kid. Uh, like yes, I'm scared for my life, and I'm running from a murderous father. But like, damn, it's cold. Like I gotta no. Get and see, that's the thing is that like, I, I can't. I can't project too much uh on the foot and on the on your feet intelligence on danny (laughs) because like he's going through something that is like as traumatic as it gets and uh i i I seriously doubt any logic was made in any move he ever took it was pure instinct uh but so that that's what makes it all the more impressive when in the maze he recognizes his tracks are leading him to him and he covers it up and manages to manages to hide big brain high like 200 iq move right there i don't think i would well, like smart no way that's i would have thought of that like in that heat of that moment like that's the thing like that's he's going through the most traumatic event of his life he will never experience something worse than this uh hopefully and uh true i guess we don't know what you and mcgregor uh yeah we don't know what dr sleep or went what through he or causes because i don't know if he becomes go. jack too or if like much to think about uh but there's probably some answers there like a little bit more of like a conclusive like this is what happened then because even uh, stephen so, king like worked on it on this with them or yeah, it's stephen king's doctor sleep yeah so i hope like uh i don't know maybe answers will like kind of not ruin the shining but like uh just diminishes some of its mystery like yeah uh, like cause that, that is really what it's about is the mysticism that surrounds it you're supposed to leave going like like i left this movie going gee i hope i never stay at a hotel and get room number 237 because boy oh boy i'm gonna go can i get another room that's uh every time i've like on the second floor like every time my family has gotten a hotel and then i see that we're going to the second floor I don't know what the room number is yet. And like, we're walking like through the hall. I'm just thinking like, I swear to God, if we're going to two thirty-seven, like I'm out of here. Like, nah, like I don't get superstitious. I don't many play things. that. I don't get superstitious about many things. Dolls in two thirty-seven are like that. That's it. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, it's just, I can avoid two thirty-seven. I can avoid dolls. Um, so that like, I feel you. Um, but yeah, I still, I can't rationalize staying in a room 237. It's just never going to happen in my life ever. Never, never, um, never, 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 never. Uh, but shit, man. Yeah. I don't really have a ton else to say about this movie. It was like, uh, it, it's, it was fucking good. Like, I'll, I'll say that. Like, I haven't watched a better horror movie, you know, like I, as 
I, it truly like it truly stands as the best horror movie. I think. Um, I think it is the greatest horror movie of all time, and if there is a person that can rival Kubrick in his horror, I think it's Jordan Peele. I'm like, I am very I curious to see like where he goes in like ten years. You know, like what he has yeah. under his repertoire. Like after ten years, like. Well, there's this interesting element uh, to this movie where multiple times I was reminded of uh, some of the obviously not story elements, but uh, there were certain things that were lining up a little bit in my head with uh, with Get Out uh, by Jordan Peele. There was uh, uh, just just a couple little things like I thought Mr. Halloran uh, up until he gets absolutely axe murdered. Uh, I thought he was going to be our little Rel Howery and get out where he was actually going to be the one who ended up coming and saving the fucking day. Like, Hey, thank God this dude was looking out. Uh, Oh no, that's probably what's going to happen to you and McGregor is he's going to be that guy. Um, and he's just destined to die. He's destined to try to come back and help him. And Oh, Oh, cause he has the shining. I hope that's not what happens. I hope I hope that's not what happens. I hope that's not what happens, but it probably is. Uh but yeah, I I um uh, and there was there was a couple other elements uh like uh well, I think of the sunken place in Get Out and fairly certain that's where Danny went for a while. Uh whenever Tony takes over like uh Danny can't come to the phone right now. Like <laughs> Oh man, that kid, like, kind of insane. I don't know how young that, that kid. That child was. actor yeah. can't be okay now. <laughs> That's probably yeah. That he probably like needed therapy after that. Like, that Danny Lloyd. Yeah, let's see. born October thirteenth, nineteen seventy two. He does make an appearance in Doctor Sleep. He's a teacher. He's a high school teacher now, looks like. He's 49 years old. Hey, Mr. Lloyd, will you tell us more about The Shining? <laughs> red rum, red rum. I wonder how many people, like, just... Hound him about it. I guess it's like an old movie and, like, new students probably don't even know what yeah, The Shining is. But, but if is your that... teacher is from, you know, people probably, that word gets around and, like. that Yeah, like, oh, shit, you have Mr. Lloyd? Did you know he was the freaky kid in The Shining? <laughs> uh, There's another No, nah, especially at a high school. If he's a high school teacher, that's getting around. Uh, and, like, whenever that you, like, get a new class and they do the whole, here's your teacher. They go, They give you your whole PowerPoint where they're like. Get to know me. This is me. This is me. This is me. I mean, how are you not going to include True. that you were in The Shining mm. I, uh, as one of three main characters? On Google, I was just stumbling around like The Shining stuff and Danny Lloyd. There's another movie that came out in 2012 called Room 237. Um, no shit. Yeah, and I, don't, I have no idea what this one is. Um, director by Rodney Asher? It's oh, it's a documentary. Never mind. <laughs> Not a uh, oh, probably about the making of The Shining. Yeah, either. an explanation mm-hmm. exploration of various interpretations of The Shining. Yep. Uh, so it's basically just a bunch oh. of dorks sitting around theorizing <laughs> about what it is. Huh. In 2012, look at that. Basically, uh, 
a podcast just in movie form. Probably. <laughs> probably. Huh. I mean, isn't that basically what documentaries are? True. But man, I uh I love Kubrick. This project has uh my two Shown... favorite movies, I think, so far of everything. The Shining is just one of my favorite movies of all time before this yeah. whole thing even started. And it's definitely my favorite horror movie of all time. And then right. A Clockwork Orange was like a hit like with me. Like it was an unexpected whoa. Like this movie like was cool. Um, obviously, I love Star Wars and that's like, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's a different like, thing. Yeah. What, from now on, I want to make it clear. Uh, I've said this before. I don't watch the Star Wars movies in the same way that I watch other movies. For us, it's the only five out of five movie in probably this whole 52-year stretch. Uh, and therefore, you should take that rating with a grain of salt, knowing who we are. So from now on, whenever we say, this is my favorite movie we've done so far, this is one of the best we've seen, Star Wars isn't included in that conversation. Thank you. It's for just a given. That. Yeah. I, I feel it's the same exact way. Yeah. Yeah, because before The Shining, I would say my favorite was The Clockwork Orange. But uh, a clockwork orange can't just it can't beat out the shining for me. It's uh no, yeah, that's that, that's interesting. I like I, I appreciate uh I appreciate that. Like because I think I think my favorite so far, as it stands, is probably The Godfather. It's my number like three right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like Godfather, and I mean. No, it was The Godfather. Like that's definitely my favorite. That was definitely my favorite in the seventies. Like, part I one, it, I think it just definitely was. Like, part one was so much better, and like I still think that. Like, I do too. I do too. I don't. I don't get that. But if you want some more thoughts on all those seventies flicks, go over to the seventies award show where we went through all of our all ten movies that we covered in the seventies and awarded a best director, best writer, best actor, best actress, shit like that. It was a lot of fun. Uh. But yeah, let's get to the ratings part mm-hmm. for The Shining here. As a uh, uh, genre, uh, this deserves yeah, nothing less than a five. So yep, that one's five. pretty that's easy for me. Enjoyment, this is, I'm very biased here. So I want to hear just how like you enjoyed it as a first watch, because I think that's the true enjoyment yeah, rating is the first one. For me, for me in terms of enjoyment, uh it doesn't become a truly enjoyable movie until the last act. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last act does make all of it pretty much worth it. Uh, however, I, I, in that, with that in mind, I watched this for an hour and a half kind of like, okay, let's, let's really get into this now. Uh, but that doesn't, that doesn't diminish it a ton. Like it, it's still, it's still Great. So I'd I'd probably land around a four five. Like straight like it's high. Like I really enjoyed it. Okay. Uh that's good. because uh, I it's not a five. Like even for me Well, just because it's a horror movie, like it's like, automatically like Yeah, like for me, like it could be a five. Like I guess just for me specifically, but like I realize like it is a very slow start, like and it's horror, like not everyone's into that. Um, exactly. In the first place, but like I think this movie does a very good job of. Um, it's not the c- 
cringe uh, cheap horror that you think, and it, it really surprises no, yeah. the scares. Like, yeah, the like, scares are truly earned, yeah. like and that and that I appreciate. So I think, uh, it's not like a, it's not like I uh, resent this film the way that I resent like a, a, a recent example, A Quiet Place Part Two. Uh, felt a little gimmicky at points where it was like, come on, man. I know there's big fucking monsters. Do we got to do this jump scare every 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I, uh, the, this is earned. This is, uh, like, this is scary in the way that it's, it, the tension is just building and building and building. That is what is scary of this is the tension build. Not any specific True. jump scare or any specific loud noise. Like it's and let me let me lay lay that out for you. Like when whenever Danny's riding around on his trike, his little toy trike, and he's just riding around. You get the you get the view of him from behind. You see every turn. You don't know what's around every corner. And he turns, and you're just like waiting, 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 waiting for those two little fucking girls to be at the end of the hall at some point. And lo and behold, eventually it happens, and you're just like motherfucker. I hate this shit. They could, uh, but you love it. You love it. Uh, they built it, the tension very like it's just anxiety through the whole movie. Like it's just like something's bad. Something bad's gonna happen. But sometimes he's riding a strike and nothing happens. Like nothing. He, happens. He'll go there, for a like, long time. Point, there too, are like, points yeah. where like it's just like we'll just stick with someone for a while doing something super mundane, and you're just like, <laughs> yeah, no. Was nothing, yeah. Just like uh, it's like the people swimming in the water and Jaws for a minute and a half. Nothing else happens. It's just watching people swim for a while. <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, I think a four or five is uh, fair for enjoyment. I'd say. Um, now thinking critically, while watching this, even for the first time, I was like. Damn, I am watching like a masterpiece of film. Like the the, the shots, the characters, the story. Um, like this is. I go, I go as high as like four eight. Okay, cool. I'm glad I wasn't uh, elevating it past. Um, because I, I was no, like, yeah. yeah, like four eight is pretty much where I'm. Like four nine, maybe four nine seems a little high. Yeah, that's that's like where that, I'm at. Like, I know it's only point one more, but like that's basically a five at four nine, and like this, I don't know. Like, I feel like a a four seven five, like is still too low, though. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. That's why that's why I land like right out of four eight. Like, yeah. I, I think that's and you're automatically gonna get a little bit of a dink for me. Uh, on on your on your critical rating, whenever there is just a senseless, no good use of the n word, uh, and there was three of them in a row in this movie, and I was just like, ooh, That's oof, true. oof, god damn, uh, and I, I I do think it was just supposed to generally give you an idea that this is a uh, a hateful person, but I also watching it don't know what Stanley Kubrick's like. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if it if like this was like genuine like yeah like that's just how he would describe a black man uh, and like that that wouldn't surprise me at all so like I I I it, it didn't feel it didn't hit right and it it's just like so we're gonna you're gonna get dinked a little bit for that uh, 
and but you know not enough to overtake how great the fucking movie was so, i think like, we get for... the idea that that jack is a pretty hateful guy uh without that. yeah i don't think you yeah, need I... to drop a couple uh in words i think m- wanting to murder your family is uh enough for a normal person to be yeah that guy's not right in the head um yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I think that puts uh, this at a 4.77 Ooh. for an average, which it puts it a little below Jaws, a little below The Godfather Part 2, below The Godfather, obviously, but above... Wait, it puts it below The Godfather 2? Mm-hmm. Godfather 2 is 4.83. Um, the enjoyment of Godfather Part 2 was a 4.75. Um, mm, okay, that makes film sense. was also a four seven five. So the the four five enjoyment of this one kind of brought it is down what, a little bit, what? but <laughs> that's that's hilarious. It's still bare, like, it's, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's like it's still like a nine point fucking five out of ten. So like, but and I mean like if there are movies to be like as a top five in terms of rating right now, Star Wars, both Godfather's, Jaws, and The Shining. That's that's right. Yeah, is that I'd say. Top, so? Star Wars is five. The next highest is. Godfather one, then Godfather two, yeah, and then the Sh- oh, then yeah, Jaws, and then The Shining. So yeah, that is our top five as of right now. Then the next is Apocalypse Now in sixth place. That's yeah, um, that sits right with me. And then ooh, barely, uh, the thirty sixth Chamber of Shaolin beats out A Clockwork Orange. Um, yeah, the enjoyment factor on that movie really boosted it, mm-hmm. and that that's such an important part of our rating because that really that's always the deciding factor for us is like because as the genre one is like pretty much going to be a five every time. Um, um, we've given a couple, of, we've given, yeah, we've given four, a couple four, of them seven, a date for like a little bit, but mash, not too yeah. much. Um, but the enjoyment, like, yeah, that's that's really where a lot of it's decided. Our film score is like a very precise um you always go really precise which is good and then the enjoyment like we're like i don't know this this writing system i think is uh it just works out very well um but i think yeah because i think with the enjoyment we kind of we typically stay in the round numbers like it's Mm -hmm. like 0.0 or 0.5 it's not and that's the way I'll throw a point seven for a ra- for a rating. Yeah, you know? it's kind of harder to be like I enjoyed this movie four point six five out of five stars. Out, you know, yeah. like uh, I'm, you, whenever yeah. I whenever I do pick a rating, I am weighing it against mm-hmm. what I have already said before. And if I if I have given say a Godfather a four point nine, then this is a four point eight. Like logically, that's that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it's. Like, I don't know. This, I think this works well. I think four seven seven for The Shining. That's that's just about right. Uh, I love this movie. Uh, it's gonna be. I hope there's like a vinyl of this sound, just the score, um, because I would play this like during the entire month of October. Like, oh yeah, oh man, I just I love like I've been listening to it just this Lock entire time. In a room, there's like a, a typewriter yeah, there's like a ten hour version like on YouTube, yeah. and I've just been listening. It, it's just been going and sit in a room, uh, type the same sentence over and over on a typewriter, <laughs> just play the Shining soundtrack, just really getting the spirit really for October. Go insane, <laughs> but uh, well, well, look who's inside again. 
but yeah, um, I think uh, I've said all that I that I think I wanted to say. I can't think of anything else. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, no. Well, uh, so that ultimately shook out to a four point seven seven. Seven seven. What a way to kick off the eighties. That's a, that's a good, that's a good way to kick off the eighties and a, and a good way to keep the month of March rolling. Uh, it's going to be a good, good month with apocalypse. Now last week, the shining this week and next week brings us to 1981's Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the lost Ark. And I got to say, this is one of my favorites. Of all time. Mm. This, this is one where like, I love this movie. Do you know the other actor that was considered for the role of Jack? It was Harrison Ford. Which, I don't know. I don't think Harrison Ford could have. I don't know. I just don't see him in this role. I, uh, it it would have been It would have put see, him in a different uh, light Out of his comfort sure. zone. Like, this would have been very interesting to see a Harrison Ford Jack. Well, I think uh, I think there's a relatively good chance that Harrison Ford quits this job in the middle of it. <laughs> he just doesn't stick. Yeah, he's like, oh, screw this. I do not need this. Like he's he like no just, no he, fuck this. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, like I love how honest he is. Like he is so honest. Like Harrison, Harrison, what would you do <laughs> if they did an if they did a modern remake of the Star Wars Holiday Special? All that. They did a modern remake of the holiday special. I would, I would kill myself. Ah, <laughs> dang, man! At least give some credit to the role that like birthed your freaking acting career. Like, but dude, the the holiday special <laughs> that they had to do, like he had to be there. They had to yeah, sing carols, yeah. like as the like that sucks. I, I agree there. Like that one, I agree with him. But like, uh, but yeah, he don't be giving any respect to Star Wars at all. It's hilarious. Yeah, none. But. <laughs> I don't know. It's just that's just who Harris he he's being Han in doing so. You know, like yeah, absolutely. It's just, he is and Han. Uh, and it's, interestingly enough, you know, this will be uh, Harrison Ford Ford's fourth role and of the uh, at that point twelve movies. So he'll have been in a third of the movies. American Graffiti, Star Wars, Apocalypse Now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I forgot that he was in Apocalypse Now. Only for, for very a small bit, role. But, very uh, small role. Yeah, he was uh, sweating. Forgot about that. He was, but uh, oh yeah, uh, that's one thing we didn't touch on when we were talking about that movie. Everybody was fucking sweating. Were they just the like really time. nervous to say? Like, I think get, I think there kill? was also this thing where it's like we're in Vietnam and like, like throughout it they're like outside. So like, those ones I get why they're sweating. It was like in that building and they really. Focused I was like, why is everyone sweating their ass? Their voices off? were very nervous. Sounding too. Yeah, they were like, shaky yeah. and like everyone was just scared. But yeah, yeah. Go listen to the 1979's Apocalypse Now. No no need to keep diving into it. Um But yeah, if you would, head to patreon.com slash Bloom where there's well over twenty one hours of content at this point. Exclusive content not available anywhere else. Uh, I also put up some artwork over there not available anywhere else. If you would go follow on Twitter at Penny Bloom Pod where we'll keep you updated on what we might be covering week to week. Uh, if if what I say on the podcast ever gets changed week to week, it'll uh, it'll be there on Twitter. Like uh, right now, 1981 is 
Indiana Jones and the Raider of the Lo- Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it will stay that way. But for any reason, if it were to change, you'd find out over on Twitter. Uh, if you would go ahead to Penny Bloom Podcast on Instagram and uh, give us a follow. And uh, I was Colton Robertson, joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, buddy. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Always, always. And remember, peace, love, and bloom, and all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Red rum. Red rum.